well this morning. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're beginning a new series within this series in Corinthians as we begin to talk about the giftings of the Holy Spirit, the, the gifts of the Spirit in operation and how it works. And this morning, we're going to spend some time building a foundation in who the Holy Spirit is, how does that work for the believer, how do we walk in the Spirit, and we're going to see how none of these things are divorced from the previous chapters showing us that we use our liberty for the benefit of others and we use these giftings for the benefit of others and we want to have a truly biblical understanding of the gifts of the spirit because half of us here hear that and are like oh no we're going to crazy town now absolutely not we want to have a biblical perspective another group are like oh yes we're finally going to be doing it we've been devoid of all these things we've been spiritually dead no no we want to come this morning and we want to have a blank page. We want to come and we want to see what does the Bible say about these things. Because in many areas, many aspects, we may have experienced some abuse of the spiritual gifts. In others, we have grown in fellowships where there was no mention of the gifts of the Spirit unless it was in jesting or mocking. And we want to see this morning what does the Bible really say about these things. So let's Go before the Lord in prayer, and we're going to go into verses 1 through 3. Lord, we do want to be led specifically by you and by your word. We thank you that your word is speaking to us, is good for doctrine, reproof, correction. And we pray that we would be growing. And we pray that you would be leading us through your spirit this morning, that you would guide and direct us, that we'd have a proper understanding of who you truly are, and that we would be guided and directed by you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read together chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaks, speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul starts off this section by saying, I do not want you to be ignorant. What is he saying here? He said, I don't want you to be dumb. I don't want you to not know what's going on here when it comes to the Spirit. And we know that the Scripture says in several other places that Paul does not want the church to be ignorant. He doesn't want us to be ignorant of God's plan for Israel in Romans chapter 11. So I don't want you to be ignorant of these things. Here in 1 Corinthians 12, he does not want us to be ignorant of the spiritual gifts. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he says he does not want us to be ignorant about the coming, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Isn't it ironic that in many fellowships today, those are three areas that they are ignorant in. And Paul specifically says, I don't want you to not know about these things. Now, in the text here, if you notice, it says now concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant in verse 1. The word gifts is italicized. That is an added word in English for us to understand the context. Now, it is properly placed there. If you want to study the Greek, I don't know Greek. I just read people that do. They talk about how that is the inference here. In the Greek, it's one word that is emphasizing the spiritual giftings or um, spiritual things that are going to be given. But it's direct translation is now concerning spiritual concerning spiritual things in general 
I, I wanted to point that out because we have arrived here this morning and many of us have preconceived ideas of what spiritual gifts are. Some of us think that spiritual gifts is just speaking in tongues, prophesying, and he- miracles and healings. This morning, we're going to see that it is far greater than that. We're going to start talking about what these things are, how do they work, and what does it do in the life of the believer. Uh, now, some of us came from a background that said, if you don't have those things, you're not even saved. Well, that's not true, because the Bible tells us here in verses 1 through 3, you can't even profess Jesus Christ as Lord without the Spirit. So how, how would that be possible? Others of us come from a background that say, well, all those spiritual gifts, they don't exist anymore. We're going to also see that that is not true and not biblical. But before we start with any of these things, let's start building a foundation. Number one, who is the Holy Spirit? And how does the Holy Spirit gift us these things? The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom... Also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. We can't profess Jesus Christ as Lord without being born again, filled with the Holy Spirit in which we are sealed. Now, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells in us. Jesus promised us that the Holy Spirit was going to come into our lives, present, and that the Holy Spirit was going to help us. In John chapter 15, Jesus says, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Now, I love this verse. This verse is a memory verse. It's a highlight verse. Because it's testifying of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They work together. They are co-equal with Christ, the Father, the Son. Same will. They try unity. Now, we have the Holy Spirit in us if you have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. I keep saying that because some of us have come from a background that said that unless you manifest a certain gift, you don't have the Holy Spirit. That is incorrect. You can't even profess Jesus Christ as Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. Now, we know the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. We know that he was promised to us by Jesus Christ and that we have him. We are filled with him, whether we know it or not. And the Bible tells us that we are to walk in the Spirit. Have you ever heard this phrase, being a spirit-filled life, walking in the spirit. And you may come from a background and be like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We can't mention the spirit because that's where crazy things come from. No, the Holy Spirit is the truth of God and the presence of God. It's people that make things crazy. When they're using the spirit or claiming the spirit is doing something and really it's in their flesh. What do I mean by this? How, How do I walk in the spirit? Galatians chapter 5 says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. 
But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, this is where things are going to get difficult for some of us because we're now being told by Scripture that we are to walk in the Spirit. That's an everyday thing. We're also being taught that that conflict inside of you between walking with the Lord, doing what the Lord wants, and doing what you want to walk, that's normal. That's part of the Christian walk. You're not a crazy person. This doesn't mean that God has abandoned you and God doesn't love you if you have this struggle. It means you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is going to be super important. And it's going to be important because of this. We do what we want. We have free will. We choose to do things. I mention that because many people have this misconceived idea that if the Spirit has gifted you with something, or if you're filled with the Spirit, you somehow lose all control over yourself. Ah, oh, the Spirit made me do it. Now, some people think that the Holy Spirit makes people roll around on the floor or bark like a dog or that uh, glitter comes down from the ceiling when they shove that stuff in the air conditioning. Now, you may think I'm exaggerating, but in some fellowships, I am not. Now, other people think that there's, there is no more spirit at all. They've taken it to a, another extreme. Neither one of these things are true. I told you earlier, I said, let's look at it from the Bible. What does the Bible say? Now, we're going to be going through the gifts of the Spirit and their operation for weeks. We're going to be going from chapter 12 into chapter 15, and we'll be speaking about these things. But in chapter 14, it tells us that the Spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. That means we're in control. We have to make these choices. We have to exercise these gifts by faith the same way that we live our walk with Christ. We're to walk by faith and not by sight. Walk by faith and not by sight. And we don't exactly know what's going on, but we have to make these steps. There's, it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. You have to try these things and exercise these things by your own free will as the Holy Spirit is indwelling in you. And too many have been taught there are no gifts of the Spirit and they're not in operation. We're going we're gonna to blow that out of the water here in a little bit. And therefore, they will never try it. Others have been told that the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and He's going to make you do things that you never wanted to do. That is also incorrect. The, the Bible doesn't contradict itself. The Spirit and the Word of God will never contradict themselves. It will always point to Jesus Christ. Remember, what are the fruits of the Spirit? How can you see the Spirit manifested in someone's life? What are the evidences of the fruits of the Spirit? Well, in Galatians chapter 5, it continues in 22 through 23 that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, underline, highlight this next one, self-control. Against such there is no law. The more you are filled with the Spirit of God, the more self-control you have. The more you are filled with the Spirit of God and influenced by the Lord, the more faithfulness you'll have, the more goodness you'll have, the more kindness, the more long-suffering, the more peace, the more joy, the more love you will have. I'm going to just throw in, I am so excited to teach chapter 13 because it is so taken out of context. I read it at the weddings too. I'm not knocking it, but that's not what Paul's talking about and the Holy Spirit leading him in 1 Corinthians 13. You've got to come, though, in a couple weeks so we can go through that. I'm, I'm, already, I'm already excited about it. 
But what have we established? I, I said that we were going to build a foundation here. Number one, that the Holy Spirit is co-equal with God the Father and God the Son, the Trinity. We know what his role is as a helper. We know that as a believer, we are filled with the Holy Spirit, whether we believe it or not or want it or not. If you're confessing Jesus as Lord, you are filled and sealed with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, that's why the scripture says, greater is he that is in you than is in the world, because you're sealed with his presence, the Holy Spirit. That's what makes us born again. He enters into us with his presence and he changes us. We know that we are to walk in the Spirit daily in our lives. We're to be walking in the Spirit, understanding the Spirit. Remember, Paul says, I do not want you ignorant of spiritual things. And we've thrown aside some of the misconceptions. Uh, we've, we've thrown aside some of the experience that we have and some of the doctrines, and we said, you know, we only want to do this by the Scripture. What does the Bible say about how to live a spirit-filled life. So that's, with that being said, let's go into verses 4 through 7. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diff- diversities of activities, but is the same God who works all in all. Now, I, I said previously that this chapter is connected to the rest of the chapters in this book. Did I not? I said, you know, these things aren't separate. And for the last few weeks, we have been going through how we're to lay aside our liberty in Christ. We're to defer our rights for the benefit of other brothers and sisters. Remember, we were talking about meat offered unto idols? And it was said, yes, you have the freedom to eat this meat offered unto idols, but you don't want to stumble the weaker brethren. And the same thing is true of spiritual gifts. Why do I mention that? Because some people think that experiencing the spiritual gifts or seeking after the Holy Spirit is some kind of self-realization, that this is somehow making us, for us, by us, between us and the Lord. The spiritual gifts are given as a manifestation of God for the benefit of all. Our diversities and our uniqueness and the way that God made us is to benefit the people around us. We're not to come in here, get spiritually fat on teaching, get knowledge, get all this understanding, and then not pass it out. This isn't about us feeling good. This isn't about having better, more fulfilling lives. This is about glorifying God. You see, the disciple, the disciple, the disciplined one that's following after Christ is going to live for the glory of God, for the benefit of others. It's not going to be about you. Because the flip side is this. Now, this is when you're going to get that challenging word. I'm, going to, I'm warning you so you can you know, brace for it a little bit. The Lord has given every single one of us gifts. And you are selfish if you are hanging on to them and not exercising them because you don't want to be embarrassed or you're worried about what people think about you or I just don't like that. I don't feel like it. It's just not for me. You're selfish. You're not following after the Lord and you're not exercising these gifts for the benefit of others. You're holding them to yourself for the benefit of you. That is not what this text has been teaching us. These diversities of gifts and ministries are from the Lord, and it's God who works in them, and he manifests himself, verse 7, 
What does it say at the end of verse 7? To each one for the profit of all. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Now, that being said, I also mentioned that some of us believe that there's only like three or four spiritual gifts. They're all weird. We need to wrap them up and put them in a drawer. Some of us think, you know, there's only three or four gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we need to exercise them or we don't even love God. All extremes on both sides. But did you know that this list is pretty long? Pretty long. And we're to figure out these gifts and exercise and, and use these gifts for the glory of God, for the benefit of others. And it's for all of us to grow closer to him. In 1 Peter chapter 4, if you thought it was just Paul, it says that each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold, manifold grace of God. As each one has received a gift. But I don't want a gift. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to talk to anybody. Pastor Mike, you don't even know. I don't even want to introduce myself to people. Stop it. Stop it. What does the Bible tell us? That we're to pick up our cross and follow after him. That we're to die daily to ourselves and be a follower of Jesus Christ. And in dying to yourself, it is for the benefit and the ministry of the gospel to others. We want to glorify Jesus Christ in our lives, and we want him to work in us. And I want you to see that the entire Trinity, the entire Godhead, all three are showing us this. If you don't believe me, let's look at verse 4, verse 5, and verse 6 one more time. In verse 4, it says the same Spirit. In verse 5, the same Lord, speaking of Jesus. And guess what it says in verse 6? The same God. Speaking of the Father, you see that? The same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God. All of God is showing us that we are given gifts, diversities of gifts, for the benefit of others. And we still dare to say, well, I don't want to. That seems kind of important. And you are holding out on us. You're holding out on us, and we are lesser for it because you don't want to die to yourself. But Mike, I am not going to speak in tongues no matter what you tell me. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's start looking at what spiritual gifts actually are instead of what we have these preconceived notions they are. In Ephesians 4 is a different list than what we're going to see here in verses 8 through 11 in chapter 12. Let's go to Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16. It says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some pastors and teachers. Why? Verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things to him in who is the head, Christ, for from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does share 
causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You're like, Pastor Mike, that was a mouthful. I know, but there's no periods. I have to connect it. It all goes together. You have to, God has given some apostles, pastors, evangelists. These are also gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit manifesting itself in people. So let's take a step back. There's a fancy word that some fellowships were, uh, use. It's called cessationism. It means that the gifts have ceased. There's no more gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's only the Bible. Well, if you take Ephesians 4, is anyone saying there's no longer a calling for pastors? Of course not. Nobody's going to say that. Are we no longer sealed with the Holy Spirit? No, 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 no. No one wants to say that either. What they're saying is only certain gifts have ceased. So nobody is truly a cessationist to its extreme. And people are trying to say, well, these gifts are gone and these gifts are good. And they're trying to discern which one. There's a problem with that. We're going to talk about it in more detail in chapter 13. So I don't want to give all of it out. I want you to keep coming back for more. But that being said, it would be easy to say between Malachi and the Gospel of Matthew that the gifts of prophecy, the prophets had ceased, that there were no more prophets. It was gone. No one was speaking. There was no word from the Lord. That's what the text says. The Bible says that. Except for 400 years later, John the Baptist shows up and Jesus says he's the greatest prophet that ever lived. And so it'd be easy to say a prophet cessationist at that time because he decided not to speak for 400 years waiting for John the Baptist. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so today, people make the same mistake. And we want to stick to what does the scripture say? Now, let's roll this back again. I used Ephesians 4 before we go into 1 Corinthians 12 to show that the gifts that I'm talking about to you are many. There are multiple lists. And we need to allow those gifts to be manifested in us. I have a guitar at home. I play the guitar. I used to lead worship in this fellowship when there was all of seven of us. I have to try really hard to do worship. I play that thing, and it gets out of key, and it doesn't, you know, we just make a joyful noise to the Lord. Let's just put it that way. Now, when Zayden picks up a guitar, that thing just sounds great. He could roll out of bed right now, start playing that thing, be in key, be in tune, and be like, man, that is a gift from God. Now, I can preach to a tree. I could preach to a stump. I can roll out of bed, give me a Bible. I got sermons locked and loaded. I am built to teach. I can't do anything else but it. But you can't come to me and say, well, Pastor Mike, man, yeah, that was an amazing sermon. Well, that's just the Holy Spirit. That's the Lord. I'm just a vessel. It's a gifting of the Spirit. I can't hold it back. I have to give it out. If it's bad, if the sermon is bad, that's my flesh. Remember, the flesh and the Spirit, they're at war. Probably means I didn't... Um, I didn't study enough, probably what it means. Didn't pray enough. But if it's really good, don't be looking at me like it's some kind of miracle. It's just the Lord. Well, I guess that is a miracle because he's using the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. For you, the manifestation of the Spirit could be in the gifts of help. It could just be volunteering for the children's ministry. Well, I don't want to. No, I don't. That's too much work. Well, maybe God has gifted you in that area. Maybe it is teaching. Maybe it's just praying for a brother or sister. Maybe you have the gift of encouragement. I don't have the gift of encouragement. Encouragement coming out of me, that's as hard as me playing the guitar. 
unless it's the Word of God. But some of you guys are naturally gifted in this area, and you're holding out on us. Word of knowledge, you're just sharing a, a Bible verse. It's like, man, this is, that was from the Lord. But you're holding out. You're not allowing the Lord to be manifested. Remember, the fruits of the Spirit are self-control, and you have the ability to say no, to resist the Spirit. Now, the Calvinists might say, you can't resist the Spirit. He's God Almighty. Well, in Acts chapter 9, when Jesus reveals himself to Saul of Tarsus, who becomes Paul on the road to Damascus, what does he say to Paul? Why? In the, I memorized in the King James, so stay with me for a minute. Why kickest thou against the goads? Why are you resisting the proddings of the Holy Spirit, is what God is saying to Saul. And we can resist the proddings of the Holy Spirit, wanting to use you because we're selfish. And that flesh is strong. Now, I wanted to start with Ephesians 4 before we go into this list in, Act, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Excuse me. Now, let's read verses 8 through 11. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now we have this list in 1 Corinthians 12. We have the list in Ephesians 4 that we went through. Another list is Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, if you're a note taker. Romans 12. I encourage you to read that list. All in all, you have over 19 different gifts that are listed. I mentioned three earlier, the most controversial ones. 19 different gifts. And if each list is different, that means that each list is not exhaustive. There could be others. Now, remember, no gift is going to contradict Scripture because the Spirit does not deny himself the Word of God. Now, we're going to go very thoroughly through these different gifts, how they operate, how they work in their proper context. But we need to be growing in these areas. We need to be experimenting in these areas. I shared with you that, you know, I am gifted by the Holy Spirit to teach the Word of God. I can't do anything but it. How do you think my first sermon went? It was as bad as you can imagine, yes. I'm sure the first time that Zayden picked up a guitar, it didn't sound too good. And we have to experiment ourselves. We have to try these things out, and they may be bad. There are plenty of times when I was teaching that I felt like quitting. I felt like a failure. I thought there's no way. The problem was this. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I couldn't stop doing it. I had to keep doing it. If I wasn't going to be able to do it here, I was going to do it somewhere else. It just I can't stop it. And you may be seeing the same thing in your life, but it could be encouragement. It could be sharing a word. It could be speaking in tongues. You could be wrestling with yourself. It's so controversial. We're going to talk about it a lot, and we're going to see what the Bible says about it. It could be just praying for a person. The Lord could just be putting somebody on your heart, and you know you're supposed to message them. You know you're supposed to call them. You just keep resisting. Why kickest thou against the goats? Why are, are you not using the diversities of gifts in our fellowship for the glory of God? And yes, you're going to mess up. 
and it's going to be epic. But if we are dying to ourselves, picking up the cross and following after him, who cares? If my failures glorify God, then let me continue to fail. As long as I'm being obedient to him. Now we're going to change subjects to something I think is even more important. We are told that we are to live by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. Every day we should be seeking the Spirit, being freshly filled with the Spirit. Now, we laid the foundation that if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You don't need to add the Spirit to you because you don't have it. But you can be refreshed and refilled. If you read that verse in Galatians 5 about the gifts of the Spirit, about the fruits of the Spirit, one of these days I'm going to get a full sentence out correctly about the gifts of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, and you're like, I don't have the love, I don't have peace, I don't have long-suffering, I'm not nice, I don't have self-control. And you're like, man, I need more of that. Or maybe you just came here this morning and you feel spiritually dead, spiritually empty. You're running on E. You know, all of us have been there. Remember when gas used to be 99 cents and you're, you were going through your drawer, your, your cup holder in your car like, I can get half a gallon. And you're like squeezing into the gas station to get your half a gallon. You couldn't buy a pack of gum now. Thanks, inflation. And you go in there and you just you fill up on E. And some of us are living our Christian life like that, just trying to count the pennies to squeeze by. We're not supposed to live like that. That's not supposed to be our walk. And so Jesus tells us that when we're spiritually dry, we're to drink on him. We're to come to him that he is a well of living water. And that if we drink of him, we'll never thirst again. But what is he talking about? Don't believe me? John chapter 7. It says, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said out of his heart, will flow rivers of living water. And you're like, well, I want some of that, but I don't see a fountain. What is he talking about? Well, fortunately, Jesus knows his sheep, and he knows that we have no idea what he means. So what does he mean? The very next verse, verse 39. But this he spoke concerning the what? The Spirit whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And he died, and he rose again, and he came out of the grave. He ascended into heaven. And on the day of Pentecost, as he told them, the Holy Spirit fell on the church. And we are filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're to walk in the Spirit. And we come to Jesus, and we, by faith, ask him, Hey, Lord, you know where I'm at. Can I borrow a few bucks? Because I can't fill up and I've only got dimes left. And we come to him by what? By faith. We have to walk by faith and live by faith that the Holy Spirit is going to fill us. And most of the time when I ask for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, you know what I feel? Nothing. I feel nothing. The same way that I know that I'm saved and sometimes I don't feel it. Because my feelings have nothing to do with the reality of God. I am sealed with the Holy Spirit. I am saved by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus Christ has filled me, refreshed me, made me new. And sometimes I may feel overtaken, I may feel beaten, I may feel dry, dry, but it doesn't matter. And so we want to exercise these gifts of faith in the same way. 
The Holy Spirit doesn't come in here and make you bark like a dog. The Holy Spirit doesn't come in here and make you lose your control to glorify himself. No, we have to exercise these things by faith. And we need to pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us different ways that we can do this. In Acts chapter 8 and in Acts chapter 19, it talks about the filling of the Spirit by the laying on of hands. Now, there is no formula for this. Because in the book of Acts, one time Peter lays hands on these guys, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they start prophesying and speaking in tongues. Another time, they're already speaking in tongues and prophesying, and Peter lays hands on them to fill them with the Holy Spirit. It's like, what, what's going on? But see, this is important, because too many people feel like they can conjure the Holy Spirit. That if we just have the right lighting and the right music and the right sounds and the right lasers playing around here and we get emotional, that somehow the Holy Spirit's going to show up like it's witchcraft. He is a member of the Trinity. He does whatever he pleases. He is God on heaven. He moves when he wants to move. He does what he wants to do. If he wants to manifest it so you feel it, great. If he doesn't, we're going to trust him and walk by faith. But I know that all the promises of God are yes and amen. And if Jesus says, I can come to him and I can drink and I can be filled with the Holy Spirit and that the fruit of the Spirit is going to come out of me like living water, then I'm going to live that way. And so we're going to make an opportunity after we pray this sermon, closing, we close this sermon. There's going to be brothers and sisters up here and you can ask for a prayer just to be refreshed with the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands. And you may feel nothing, you may feel something, I don't know. But he is the spirit and he does whatever he pleases. If you don't believe me, what does it say there in verse 11? But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. As he wills. We don't tell him what to do. It's important for us to remember that the Trinity, the doctrine of God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they are equal. It's important for us to remember that we are filled and sealed with the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. Well, what comes first, Mike? Do you confess and then you're filled, or do you fill and then you confess? I don't try and reconcile friends. Yes is the answer. And then when we're filled with the Spirit and sealed with the Spirit, we're to walk in the Spirit. When we walk in the Spirit, we walk by faith. We don't lose control. We gain it. More love, more peace, more discipline in our lives as we wrestle against the flesh. And then we're to use and exercise the gifts that God gave us for each other. Not for our own blessings, not for our own benefit. I encourage you before you leave here to be filled with the Spirit once again, overflowing, refreshed. Lay down your heavy burdens. Drink of the well. Go into all the world and preach the full gospel. And as we continue to meet week after week and we go through 1 Corinthians and we see these operations of the Spirit, what they mean, how, how do we do them? How do we do them biblically? Realize that we're going to do it by faith as we grow in grace. Let's pray. Lord, we do pray for a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. I pray that we leave here with a greater knowledge of who you are. We leave here excited, knowing, apart from you, we can do nothing, Lord. But you're in us. You're working in us. Pray that we would be encouraged we'd be growing in you and that there would be some awkward experimentation, Lord, as we come to you and we try things out and we just want to be obedient to you. We pray for the ministries. We pray for the work. 
We pray for our lives, that you would be glorified in each and every one of these things. In Jesus' name. And so if you need prayer, come on up. We'd love to pray with you, lay hands on you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.